it's so different than what you think it's going to be in a good way. Every single year they say this to every student. This is The Picnic Pod with Georgia and Alex. I mean, there wasn't really that much money left at the end of the week. So I was very fortunate to get that. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to episode 18, nearly at 20. Um, This week we are doing our usual weekly recap, some recommendations, and then we're going to give pretty much a big rundown on placement because we had a question box put up a few days ago um, asking you guys what episodes you want us to talk about or do. And there were quite a few of you that asked for some placement tips. And we have spoken about that quite a lot already, but we thought this would be a good sort of episode to guide anyone who asked about those questions again in the future. So before we get into the placement chat, let's start off with our weekly recommendations. So Georgia, what is your weekly recommendation? I discovered a new podcast over the last few weeks that I've been really liking actually. So I'm not one usually for like finance or like money chat, I think. I don't know. I don't know why. It just never really appealed to me. This Mm -hmm. is quite a personal and I think often it was always podcasts done by uh, let's just say like finance bros. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. People who I didn't really relate to very Agree. much. Yeah. Uh, so I found this podcast called You're in Good Company and I did recommend this to my in my newsletter that I send out each week, but I thought it would be good to mention on here as well. And it is done by these two girls, um, Maddie and Sophie, who honestly just talk quite openly and like candidly about money, um, not only their personal situations but they have really good guests that come on and do these sort of like taboo money charts um yeah I, I, I'm finding it quite interesting so I wanted to recommend that to anyone who might be keen to check that out as well what about you my recommendation of the week is Paul Mescal's episode of Chicken Shop Date that just got released this past week I'm recommending this because I love Paul Mescal and I think everyone should watch it. No, I just love him. Um, and I it's, really like Amelia. Amelia, yeah, I love Amelia. I always love when she does like the red carpet interviews and stuff as well. So yeah, two people that I love on a 10-minute YouTube video, what more could I want? Cool. Well, let's go into our weekly recap. There's been a bit on in this last week. I guess in Australia, we've had the Australian Open and we've both kind of been getting into that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I do love watching the tennis. I am quite a, sorry, I'm quite a sporty gal in terms of (laughs) like watching sport. I'm not necessarily one to participate in much, but I do get amongst it. And Alex and I both got really into Arena Sabalenka. (laughs) Mm. Obsessed. What else did we get up to? We started our Auslan course. So oh, yes. So interesting. <laughs> yeah, that was. Uh, oh. So our course, our class every week for the next like 20 weeks, it's like a semester. Um, We have a five hour, like five and a half hour class on a Monday. And that was the scariest. <laughs> Just a little quick explanation. In the orientation that we had last week, there was an interpreter, um, obviously, because a lot of people are new to Auslan and it's just obviously easier to have the interpreter there. Going into this week, I just kind of assumed, I don't know why I guess I thought this, mm. but I did, 
um, that we would have an interpreter for like, I don't know. I didn't think we'd have it for the whole thing, but you know, at, at least, least at least like three, a couple weeks or something like that. Yeah. We get into this class and like what an hour in, bye bye interpreter, and we're just like left to sign. Like, that was just scary. It was really scary, but I can now. So see- fun though. It is super like the best I know and that this is why they do it it's like the best way to learn any language yeah yeah immerse yourself and I think a lot of people appreciate that as well um and for us who have very basic (laughs) knowledge you you do all this work before the class and you are meant to watch lectures so we really got to (laughs) get into that we can finger spell fine it's just like the actual like I guess words and stuff itself like a word that has like its own sign and that kind of thing where it's still a bit rusty but I think I also was a bit naive in thinking that everyone in the class would be on the same level as us because yeah no they weren't seems to like be able to have basic Auslan conversation and then me and Georgia are just like what (laughs) but yeah wow it was a really big test of concentration but we are Mm. I'm loving it. Like we're already so into the practicing and mm-hmm. we're roping our boyfriends into it as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I think it's going to be really fun. I'm really excited. I'm glad we're doing it. I'm glad we have each other mm. because I think I would be a lot more stressed if I was doing it like by myself, but yeah, it's going to be good. It's going to be good. Very well run course. Um, mm. A big overview of it once we've completed it I think yeah definitely let's hop into all things placement yeah I guess to start off with the first thing we'll say is I guess the biggest concern that our cohort had and I think majority of cohorts have and I think that's whether you're studying dietetics or whether you're studying something else is the cost of placement um it's really big in the media at the moment as well just how hard it is for students on placement um like we don't get any like we're not getting paid we're doing free work for mainly government agencies (laughs) um which is a whole nother story in itself but yeah the financial burden of placement is really hard I think for dietetics it's also a little bit um different because I know for some degrees you'll do like you'll start doing placements say like in your first year you'll do it at the end of the the year for like you know x amount of weeks or whatever and then you'll go back and your placement will kind of be spread across throughout your whole degree um whereas with dietetics it's a four-year degree the first three years are all theory and then our last year the whole year is placement and I think that's where the major financial burden of the degree like of placement comes from with dietetics because it's just one massive block of placement and that you don't have the time or the capacity to be able to work and make money to help support you throughout that year because you're literally on placement all year. There's some variations between different unis as well. Yeah. As Alex was saying, most dietetics is exactly that structure. You learn all the theory and then you apply in your final year. Yeah. Um, and I just wanted to acknowledge as well, 
Alex and I were happy to talk about like our financial situations and how we coped, but everyone's situation is very different. I think we still will be able to paint a pretty good picture and provide some really good tips for others who may relate to our situations anyway. So do you want me to start with maybe running through how I sort of managed it? Yeah, yeah, we start. So um, I guess I'll start off by saying I started uni in a different degree back in 2017, straight out of school um, and Pretty much I always had, I started work when I was, I think, I think it was like that legal age of 14, nine months. Mm. I can't remember, but I always had like a casual or part-time job throughout study. And I was very lucky to have known people who had been on placements before. Like my brother was um, studying education. So he, his placements were more like teaching based, obviously. Yeah. There was this real good knowledge that I had that when you go to uni to do these sorts of degrees, there was always going to be this placement component, which meant that you had to save. So that was constantly in my mind, but I don't think it really occurred to me as like a super important thing until about, let's say 2021, I think, Mm -hmm. because I really got quite like concerned about it. Yeah. Um, Particularly as the more people I met in dietetics were like, you know, past students were saying, oh my gosh, yeah, save for placement, save, save, save. Yeah. Um, it was great that I had a, a, like a part-time job, um, which meant I could save. But when we say that you're a student as well and our timetables weren't exactly that uh, <laughs> enabling of lots of shifts and everything at work. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think what I did was take on extra shifts where I could and that meant sometimes that I was very lucky with most of my employers that were very flexible with me in general. But, you know, some days I would just go in for three hours or a quick four-hour shift after uni, you know, on four days in a row and then do like a big shift on a Friday or whatever it was, whatever worked, Um, which, yeah, I guess set me up pretty well. And I also had youth allowance, so I was very fortunate to get that. So I lived away from home and um, I was in the Sunshine Coast at the time and I applied for that. So that really helped. I'm not going to say it didn't. Um, I was super lucky to get that because there are many students who can't or aren't eligible for it. Me. (laughs) So um, that was good. However, I did live in lots of different homes and places because I, I guess, chose this way of living to avoid paying double rent because I knew that for placement, I would be sent away to these different locations. And often you were seeking out accommodation, which would incur a fee. So I was paying like private rent to family and friends or whoever I could live with in their spare room or their holiday houses, um, which I'm happy I did. Like it was a, it was a chaotic year in itself. And I think I'm a very adaptable and flexible person. Sometimes I did regret it, but at the end of the day, like I look back and go, it's actually all right. Like I got to live in so many different places. Yeah. Some of the places I did live were, you know, you felt like you're on, on holiday sometimes. So it was it was nothing that I really had to complain about. I'm just extremely lucky to have known people who were happy to let me live with them or, you know, I lived with Alex for three weeks. Just <laughs> very last minute arrangement, but I packed up my stuff. So this isn't me recommending that everyone should do that. It's just, I guess, explaining what I did um, because at the end of the day, I chose that way to avoid paying, like signing up to a permanent lease, let's say for 12 months, and then having to look after that whilst also paying for accommodation when you were on placement in external locations. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, yeah, so my experience was similar in a way to George's, but I guess also very different as well. I mean, yeah, I'll just kind of go over what my life was like throughout the year. So I had like a casual job in pharmacy that I was able to keep throughout the year and I was able to work in between placement, which I mean, to be honest, was really not that much. And especially like I couldn't even really do a lot of like weekend work and such, I guess, because, you know, I was in Townsville, I was in Brisbane and things like that. So even though I still had, was able to keep my job, sorry, I didn't really actually work that much. Um, I guess different to Georgia, I was not eligible for Centrelink. So I didn't get any youth allowance, which was really hard. Um, and the reason that I wasn't eligible was because I live with my partner um, and according to Centrelink, he makes too much money. Um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I don't want to say, I don't know how to, we're definitely very fortunate. My partner has a full-time job. He has a good job and we're definitely better off than other people. I'm not saying by any means that you know, I should be getting Centrelink, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, I had little to no income and it just really grinded my gears that Centrelink kind of just put a burden on my boyfriend to financially support me when realistically, is that really his responsibility? Like, I don't know. But yeah, so I was lucky enough, my boyfriend, he was literally the sole, what's the word? Like, he was the only person making any money realistically. Like I would make, you know, 200 bucks a week here and there, but he was pretty much the one that was supporting us. So yeah, he was on a full-time wage, but we have a mortgage, all the bills that come with that as well. So, I mean, there wasn't really that much money left at the end of the week after like we paid like bills and stuff. Um, so that was really quite hard um, for us. And then at the end of the year, our, my dog, it's not funny. I'm not, my dog got cancer. Um, he's totally fine now, so it's okay. Um, but, you know, that was like 15 grand um, that we didn't have. <laughs> that we had to scrounge around, like, asking family, like, can you, like, lend us this money, blah, blah, blah. So it was really a heavy financial burden last year. I'd say my first big thing to look out for would definitely be keeping an eye out for what bursaries and scholarships are available through your university. I know that there's bursaries that are specific for people going on placement and then there's obviously bursaries and scholarships for specific degrees. If you have a disability um, Indigenous scholarships. There's lots of different um, criteria. Definitely look and apply um, because both Georgia and I applied for a bursary and we both ended up getting $1,000, which at the end of the day <laughs> wasn't really life-changing that much. <laughs> but, you know, that's $1,000 that I didn't have before. Yeah literally any dollar counts during placement yeah. so if you can apply for 
yeah, bursaries and scholarships and such apply. Definitely worth it. Mm. Yeah. All right. So flowing on from that, I guess, money talk, we thought it would be a good idea to discuss the not so glamorous stuff of placement because there is a lot of tips out there that kind of ignore these things. Um, And for young girls in their 20s, it may seem a bit trivial and not so important to other people, but to us it was. (laughs) So, for example, and I'm not complaining again, there were many, many nights where I had baked beans on toast three nights in a row. The next night was like... um, a toasted sandwich (laughs) these are really basic meals and my lunches were very plain and I think um, a lot of students we laughed about it there was a particular day where I think I've spoken about this before maybe I haven't um me and another student we just had the most basic diet lunch like I had a Vegemite and cheese sandwich (laughs) or something and they had a sandwich I can't really remember but either way it wasn't that all impressive um I'm also easygoing with all that stuff. Like I can eat the same thing a few days in a row. I didn't used to be able to, but I think placement really taught me that. So basic dinners and lunches were definitely a thing because food was quite expensive. Yeah, yeah. Um, Another thing is I guess having to say no to social events, birthdays. I feel like I literally abandoned all of my friends from last year just because I couldn't afford it like I could not afford to do anything and to be honest placement was the most draining thing even though I loved placement I was so tired and any chance I had to essentially do nothing I took that chance um so whilst it was definitely hard I guess to say no to like hanging out with friends and going to birthdays and doing dinners and that kind of thing at the same time, I was like genuinely so burnt out that I was like, I don't really even want to be doing these things right now anyway. But in saying that, I think just try and be like, I was just open with my friends. I can't yeah. order, um, blah, blah, blah. It's obviously going to be hard for people that aren't in your position, um, I guess, to fully like understand or comprehend the financial effects of placement the mental effects of placement um but I mean you know the people that you're doing the degree with if you have good friends in there they're gonna understand you're going through it together um I know Georgia and I literally FaceTimed every day um we would eat our dinner together on FaceTime like it's you just have to literally work with what you've got and if FaceTiming your friends and eating your little girl dinner virtually is all you can afford to do yeah do it like yeah just work with what you've got um Mm. in terms of like social activities yeah yeah what I did to count like counter the financial burden was find things that were affordable and free so going for walks with a friend in the morning or after placement um or calling your best friend in the car when you're driving home for placement like that is what I did so um there are definitely ways but definitely be transparent to your friends and family about hey look I can't do presents this year or your presents are going to be 
you know, a limit of this amount of money, like if, if they really want to know. <laughs> um, and on that, um, sorry, I think you might talk about this, Alex, you can, <laughs> but ditching your subscriptions and your memberships. Oh. I know I had to give up like my gym membership, which I hated because I found a place that I really liked and valued. Yeah. I wasn't going to be there enough anyway. Like geographically, I wasn't going to be in that suburb for much of the year. So it didn't make sense for me to pay that much each week, but yeah, you're, you're moving around so much. Well, for me anyways, I couldn't really find a gym membership that would work. There are definitely gym memberships. I'm not going to go into that right now, but um, it's those little subscriptions that you had to kind of be aware of and delete or unsubscribe from. Yeah. Um, yeah. Save that money. <laughs> yeah, no, I would agree. Like I um had to cancel my like fit stop membership. And um, I remember Dylan and I going through like all of our like um, like streaming service subscriptions and being like okay what are we actually watching right now and is that on this service if it's not like goodbye I would recommend to just look around like for example like when I was in Brisbane you know how like gyms and like f45s and everything they always have like the one week free like one week trial if you're somewhere for a month sign up to four different places and get a week free or on that as well now that if you're into running or I think there's like running and walking clubs now but run clubs oh, yeah literally and I guess the last sort of dot point we had for the not so glamorous stuff which kind of flows on nicely to our next sort of segment is on placement you will meet and have many different supervisors and there will be a chance that you're not going to get along with all of them mm-hmm. um I can't really speak too much about this because I had a pretty good experience. Like, I don't think I can really complain. I didn't need to change a supervisor for a particular reason. Um, If I did have, you know, an off day with one of them, it was over by the end of the day. You know what I mean? Like, it it didn't really affect me too much. However, on reflection, there were definitely ways that maybe I could have not, like, done better. But I'm glad that I was my own advocate. So if something was like a disagreement or something it was not hard for me to speak up and kind of value myself yeah yeah and yeah I think I just wanted to make that transparent because if your uni has not warned you I think they would I think by now all unis are aware of it but there will be workplaces and supervisors who aren't going to love you being there like you are sometimes a bit of an inconvenience and they unfortunately can make you feel that way (laughs) it's all part of it and it does build your resilience and your work ethic is tested but um that's part of placement (laughs) it's honestly I guess another important thing to remember is that if you have a bad experience with a supervisor it's not you like don't think that it's a reflection on your work or your knowledge but yeah I think just really advocate for yourself and if you do really feel like you're getting you know unfairly treated because I mean placement is a big deal like they will fail you if they don't think that you're yeah competent and you know if you think that you're heading in that direction and you feel as though you shouldn't be like as in you feel like the supervisor is you know expecting more of you than what they should be etc make sure that you say something to your like university supervisor um, because they are your advocate. We were really lucky. Our university supervisor was great and she was a really good advocate for 
the students and you could tell her you know everything and she would get it sorted like she was not um actually all of our even not for just the clinical stuff for our like public health and everything as well so yeah I think we were quite lucky the uni we went to the university yeah I don't think this structure is at every single uni, but yeah. it was like compulsory to have weekly check-ins yeah. and with your uni supervisor as well as your placement supervisors. So there was a lot of like reflecting and talking about mm-hmm. how you're going. So there was heaps of opportunity to raise a concern. Um, yeah. At first I was like, ah, why are we doing this? And then towards, you know, some some parts of the year, I was like, oh, thank God I have this because it was really important. Um, but yeah, definitely be really open to your supervisor when you first meet them about where you're up to and what your sort of expectations are between both of you, because there is a lot of potential to get those blind, um, those lines blurred mm-hmm. and that can really, unfortunately, if, um, impact on your performance. But on the flip side, I also had some amazing placements where I got, I remember my pediatrics placement, I was so sad to have finished that on my last day like I walked out of there oh yeah I had some amazing um (laughs) like supervisor experience Mm. like I was like same as you like with your peds like when I left Townsville like I was like sad like it's like oh Mm. like I had such a good experience with that with this supervisor like she organized so many extra things for me to like watch and such that a lot of students don't get the opportunity to do so you know I think that's another thing to remember just because you have one bad experience with one supervisor like you know if it's your first block of placement and you have like this horrific supervisor don't think that it's going to be like that for the whole rest of the year because it's very likely that okay you've got your dud I think everyone gets at least one dud supervisor and the rest of them are usually really, really good and are really happy to help you and like work around the way that you learn. That leads on to, I guess, our actual tips for placement. So it'll turn a bit more positive. Sorry if anyone, if it sounds a bit negative. Yes, not. <laughs> but just being realistic. So um, I did mention it before, but being open with your supervisor also includes the concept of not being afraid to ask questions but take initiative first so there will be well every day you're shown something new really or if you're shown a resource make sure you're reading through it before you I don't know ask a question about it um, if you're told to read a patient's notes make sure you do so you do get familiar with their background don't just think oh, I'll do that later um, and make notes about it and um, there's all these little things that you learn as you go but for example like if you're shown the kitchen where or you know wherever the supplements are stored this is very dietetics focused but get familiar with those because they do change between hospitals there was a case where I kind of just assumed that every hospital had the same one Mm. (laughs) you kind of completely different you move and then you're like oh I was so used to prescribing that one jokes like I can't do that here wait what's the one that you guys use so really soak up all those little bits of information that make a difference in your discipline. And when you're at that site, don't just get to know your discipline people, like get to Mm -hmm. know the other disciplines. I know, I think Alex can attest to this as well. 
the highlights of a lot of our placements were when we met, you know, speech pathologists or the nurses or had really good rapport with some of the doctors. And then that would lead on to some interesting meetings or case like conferences where you got to learn so much about the hospital system itself and then the other methods of, what do I say, like healthcare. Yeah, um, yeah. I yeah, 100% agree. Make friends with the other disciplines because watching other disciplines do things that maybe don't like directly affect your everyday work but it will help you understand why you're doing certain Mm -hmm. things so for example I got to watch a heap of different swallow tests with the speech pathologists as a dietitian doesn't really matter to me about watching like I don't need to see the swallow test I just needed the speech pathologist needs to just tell me what they got from the swallow test so that I can make sure that my patient is eating the right like textures and et cetera mm-hmm. and getting enough nutrients from it. But being able to actually see the swallow tests was a really good experience and allowed me to learn a lot more about what speeches do. Same with I was able to go and watch um, someone actually get their radiation treatment. Mm-hmm. Really not super relevant to me as a dietitian. Like I don't need to see that. But it was a really cool experience to be able to see it. And I guess gave me the perspective of the patient of what they're going through when I'm seeing them, you know, they're talking about how they have such a sore throat, et cetera, because they're literally throats are being burned by the radiation to try and kill their cancer. But like actually being able to see them get the radiation was really interesting experience. So take on any experience that you can. And then, yeah, same with the MDT meetings. If your supervisor asks you if you want to come along, say yes. Even if you've been to one previously, try and go to as many of them as you can yeah. because they are really, really interesting. Mm. And there's always so many different, like, yeah, you know, there's surgeons in there, there's dentists in there. Well, this yeah. was my, um, like, oncology one. Yeah. Um, you know, there's pathologists in there there's there's so many different health professionals and it's really cool to be able to see how Mm. everyone in the whole team works together to just treat one patient yeah because you don't really get to like you don't learn about what anyone else is doing at uni you just learn about what you have to do um so it's really cool Mm. Yeah, and I guess outside of placement, my big tip that I say to a lot of students going into placement is try to maintain your hobbies that you love or some sort of routine in the morning or afternoon outside of placement hours. For me, this was, I think I said this at the start, like organising literal walking catch-ups with your friends in the mornings um, and, or, you know, afternoon sunsets or sunrise walks, blah, blah, blah or doing a puzzle, like those things make me happy. And when I scheduled it in and made it, I guess, compulsory for myself to do them, that was my way of seeing my friends and getting that, I guess, filling up my cup, I guess, before the day even started, um, before going into eight hours of free work. If you're maintaining these sorts of little activities here and there, you don't feel so drained. I mean, you will, everyone does on placement, it's exhausting, but just trying to maintain something in your life that you can really look forward to every single day. Um, it's really important that you do that. Otherwise, if you throw everything out the window, you will unfortunately fall into a bit of a pit of 
despair probably like you're just going to be over everything and exhausted um so that was really important to me and I really felt the impact of that when I couldn't go outside and couldn't see my friends so when you were away in different locations and away from your usual social group that's when you did hang on to like FaceTime or the digital methods of connecting. My big tip is to get comfortable with being alone. We did do an episode on this in the past about I guess getting out of your comfort zone a bit Um, So this kind of relates to that in a way, but I guess with placement, especially if you're going, like I went to Townsville and such, I don't know anyone in Townsville. So, you know, on the weekends, I went to the museum by myself. I went to the beach by myself and read my book. Like you really have to get comfortable with being by yourself and making the most out of being by yourself because yeah, realistically, you're probably going to get sent somewhere where you don't know anyone And, you know, you're going to have to spend a month or more there. At the end of the day, like what I was always repeating in my head was try to make this like a little mini holiday. I look back and go, well, I don't think I would have ever gone to Bundaberg if it wasn't for placement. So I'm glad. And it was a super like cute place. And I did actually have a really good time there. Same with Townsville. Like I did meet people there, did make the most of it. So um, try to what do they call it romanticize like your yeah, yeah. placement locations yeah. Um, let's talk about resources on placement now this is very dietetic focused so if you're not interested in this skip to the next section <laughs> so in terms of resources to take on placement don't think too much into it is the biggest thing I can say And I guess it depends, like, there's obviously nothing wrong with having, you know, a folder full to the brim with the resources. Like, you're going to use resources. But in saying that, I feel like we were all kind of, like, stressing, like, oh, my gosh, what are you putting in your folder? Got to make sure I get everything printed out, blah, blah, blah. Like, it was just a big extra stress going into placement that realistically was really not needed at all. Um, so I thought that I would talk about the actual resources that I use every day or essentially every day on placement. And these are the resources that I definitely would recommend that you like put in a little folder or something and bring around with you. But anything additional to this, realistically, you probably don't really need it. Something that I haven't written down here, actually, which I probably would recommend depending on what ward you're put in is like the enteral feeding um um like guidelines yeah yeah first one would definitely be the Nemo nutrition requirements this was something that yeah both of us used every single day um and you do tend to get to memorize them pretty well too yeah yeah the next thing would be the ENCP terminology um to help with creating your PES statements and coming up with your like diagnosis um, for each patient. I also did have a, I can't remember where I actually found it, but I think if you Google it, you would find it and be able to print it out because I'm pretty sure that's what I would have done. Um, It's like a PES statement cheat sheet and it just kind of has like different conditions. Like there was like kidney disease, 
under like you know malnutrition obesity blah 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 all these different kind of diseases I guess that you come across um and it had just general like Pez statements that I guess would be like the most common for those like conditions and that was something really helpful that I would keep in my folder for when I was doing up my notes if I was kind of like struggling with trying to create my Pez statement or whatever I would just kind of take a look at those and it would always help me come up with my pest statement or come up with ideas or something so that's something that I would recommend as well that goes kind of hand in hand with that ENCP terminology um sheet I know Alex had like a biochem cheat sheet yeah but I um I didn't really do much with biochem I think I just learned it because that was always my goal on placement like every I know that was every week (laughs) and I never (laughs) The biochem cheat sheet helped me to begin with. Yeah, okay. <clears throat> but then, um, so like I, I would recommend having it if you struggle with it because I guess it's just something nice to have that you know that you can refer yeah. to. I think yeah. it literally is just called like nutrition online, like biochem cheat sheet or something like that. Um, the one that I used anyway. And then medications. What I did was... Just on Word, I just had like a table, two columns um, with, I don't know how many rows, heaps of rows on an A4 piece of paper that had like um, kind of the letters of the alphabet, like alphabet scattered through. And this was just a blank sort of template. And then throughout placement, whatever medication I came across that I didn't know, I just slot it into the spot of where it fit in the template and um, would write the name of it, the like the other name that it might be known for and what it's used for what it does this was a really good way to look back on and be like wow I've learned so many new medications but also a good way to organize it because once once you're in the chaos of seeing patients during the day you just need somewhere to scribble down something and that might be a notebook that some people carry around it might be the back of your hand like you know ways but for me it was listing them in an order of something that um made sense to me and it was a good way to organize it to clearly see um what the indications for that medication were the other big resource I think we've forgotten which maybe this is because you didn't use it as much I think you did was the handbook I don't know what it's called um oh yeah I think it's just the clinical handbook for dietetics or handbook for clinical nutrition and dietetics or something. I don't know if you're studying dietetics you'll know the handbook that we're talking about yeah take that everywhere <laughs> um in terms of questions around do you need to take your laptop your ipads or whatever on placement um I did every day didn't use it like I have a laptop um I didn't use it every day but it was helpful in some situations where there wasn't a spare computer <laughs> which is quite common on placement, um, particularly in the sites where it's either paper-based or there's just not a lot of spare computers anywhere. Um, so if I did have to Google something myself about a condition, I could do that. But I wouldn't say it's necessary every single day. But, yeah, I think I'm just used to taking my laptop everywhere, so I did on <laughs> placement. I guess this is coming from a more clinical placement perspective as well because when I was on my other placements... Oh. Sure. like public health you need your laptop every day kind of thing yeah um yeah. so this is specifically just speaking about your clinical placement um because yeah when you're in that clinical placement you're 
having to use all of their online softwares and etc um for things I got this question a lot actually from a few students about like do I have a clipboard did I take um like a tote bag around with me because that's what I mean you're taught to have these like big folders with you all the time yeah, yeah like how are you meant to carry everything around yeah, yeah. Um, what I got this was when I was on my first placement actually is one of my one of the dietitians had if you're not aware of it I think it's called a clipboard case or something mm-hmm. things it's pretty much like a container that is underneath a clipboard but it's all in one yeah um, can open and close so you can keep you know pieces of paper in there your pen your calculator your highlighters everything um but also have a piece of paper latched on top Flipped on top on top yeah that you can write on so what I did was had my stack of proformers or templates of whenever I got to see this is in clinical placement by the way um on top and then any sort of common resources that I used throughout that hospital I had ready like printed a few in that Mm -hmm. sort of box and this was a really good method to keep everything together and what I did was um kind of build on that each placement so um if I found good resources along the way I would just keep it in there and that was like my one-stop shop for when I was walking around um and it was also good to keep my phone in because some of my pants that I wore didn't have pockets so I could put my phone in that oh yeah 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 for me I didn't have a clipboard or anything like that I just had a little a5 notebook that I would carry around um and a pen and my phone that's literally all I had um when I was like walking around and stuff I used my phone as my calculator in terms of like performers and stuff I did my consult (laughs) I did my consults a little bit differently in the sense that I didn't actually use a specific printed out performer what I would do is I would gather um like the information about my patient beforehand which is what you do like you'll 99% of the time you'll be able to read a bit about the patient going into the consult um and I would identify the areas that I guess would normally be like on a performer that were relevant for that patient and I would essentially just write out like a little mini performa on in my notebook. You're gonna find what works for you, and that's just what worked best for me. Yeah. Um. So I guess as well, like, yeah, don't be afraid to change the performa. Like, I mean, some of these sites had performers, but the dietitians that I had as supervisors didn't really care whether I use it or not or whether I had my own they literally only care about whether you have the information because the performer isn't what's going into the patient notes yeah. it's literally just to help essentially a note-taking sheet really yeah. so any way that is going to make it easier for you and the way that you're going to be able to get mm. all of the information down that you need is yeah just do it however your you work best yeah the next one's a bit light-hearted <laughs> But comfortable shoes. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Definitely invest. Yeah. I want to say invest in comfy shoes, but we did invest in these shoes that were meant to be comfy. Just chat to other 
Well, you got Frankie Fours and you really liked them. They were comfortable. Yeah, they're, they're very expensive, but they will get you through a whole year. Uh, I have one more thing I could add. Oh, yeah. Um, is don't be afraid to go back to patients to get more information. Um, the great thing about being in a hospital is, I mean, unless the patient's like getting discharged that day or something like that, they're not going anywhere. And yeah. if they're not there when you pop in, they'll be back in an hour or so. Like they'll just be at like rehab or with physio or something like that. You can always go back. And if you've missed something, you can go and ask them again. Like the patient isn't going to care that you've come back for another chat. In fact, I found that a lot of the patients loved it when I came in yeah. for a chat. So don't like beat yourself up if, you know, you've talked to them you get back to like your desk or whatever and you're like crap I missed this important piece of information because you can go back if my patient was asleep I was like oh I can't like get the information like I'll just wait but what I was finding was my patients were asleep like the whole day (laughs) (laughs) yeah 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 so obviously I was a little anxious student and I didn't want to oh it's so awkward having to wake people up (laughs) but you will learn on placement that you just need to wake them up, tap them on the shoulder or whatever yeah. way. Hello, hello, blah, blah, blah. You learn all the way, different ways. But you do need to unfortunately disturb people in their sleep and it yeah. sucks. They, uh, they can be grumpy and they can be a little bit. Yeah, yeah, I get what you mean. And, like, if you don't want to wake, if you've only gone checked once and they're asleep, like, come back <laughs> later. But, you know, if you go back a couple of times and they're sleeping, then, yeah, just wake them up. Like, yeah, yeah. The other thing I found in hospitals, because I wasn't very familiar with them to start with, um, like I knew some abbreviations, but there are so many abbreviations in hospitals that you mm. will not be across. And so a lot of my questions were framed around, what does this mean? Like, especially like different ward names and um, mm. like, yeah, there's a lot. You just hear all sorts in those um wards so yeah definitely ask the nurses or whoever's around you just be like hey what does this mean like a met call for example like when there's a big emergency I guess you call it like at first I was like I don't know what that is yeah that you will have lots of new information and that's why it's so draining because every day you're being watched you're being assessed technically you're having to do the job of someone that has probably worked there more than five years as well so there's a lot of pressure um and this is why placement is a learning experience you need to go to so many meetings if you can just soak up as much as possible if you are really struggling to get certain information out of your patient or you keep going there to their room and they're not there or whatever talk to the nurses and I'm sure your supervisors will tell you this anyway but they know all the goings <laughs> of what's happening and will likely be sorry will likely be able to give you a large chunk of information um about yeah. the patient so make friends with them because they're the ones that are going to be observing and potentially giving the supplements and giving the filling out like the food like charts and everything like that there's a lot that you rely on nurses to do in tandem with the patient's responsibilities so um yeah that they can be your besties in those in those hospitals Mm. it's really scary going into it but 
and I feel like you go into it thinking that you're going to be shit and you're not going to know anything and how could I possibly be seeing patients but it literally will all come to you you'll do great like yeah it's it's so different than what you think it's going to be in a good way every single year they say this to every student it's like you don't you never realize how much you grow in 12 months on placement like it does Mm. teach you a lot not only in your knowledge but you learn so much about yourself and Mm. um how you cope with many things so yeah try to remember that it's a learning experience you'll have great days you'll have bad days you'll have okay days and keeping your friends and family close to you or the people that you know lighten your day (laughs) really um use them to your advantage (laughs) and yeah we'll see you next week goodbye oh bye Hey guys, just jumping in at the end of this episode to ask if you could please leave a rating and review. This really helps us to get our podcast out there to new listeners and also be sure to share this episode with a friend and follow us on our socials. We really appreciate all your support and we'll be in your ears again next week. This podcast was recorded on Gubby Gubby land. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land.